Welcome to the HR Community Podcast. My name is Shane O'Neill, founder of Civitas Talent, the HR and HSE recruitment community. Each episode, we will host HR leaders and discuss their journey and discover best practice HR solutions across the HR industry. Whether you're a CEO, HR executive, or operating across the wider HR space, this podcast is for you. Please like and subscribe, and don't forget to comment and share your views. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the HR Community Podcast. This evening, I'm joined with Donna Reed. Donna is the Chief People Officer for AI Media. Welcome, Donna. Thank you for having me, Shane. Thank you. Um, over to you again, Donna. Uh, tell us a little bit about your current role as, as Chief People Officer and a little bit about what AI Media do as business. Sure. Well, I've been at AI Media now for about just over 18 months, Mm -hmm. and we're a global company uh, which recently listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, Mm -hmm. and effectively we provide like really high-quality recorded captioning and translation services, transcription services as well that runs behind us, and it combines, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. and human expertise to to deliver, you know, really accurate speech-to-text captions. And so we've got a a global footprint. It's um, Mm. an Australian-based company, but uh, we're growing and we've got offices in the US, the UK, uh, presence in Canada and Singapore. And, uh, yeah, I look after the HR department globally, which is, you know, a growing role in itself and Mm. uh, enjoying it. Fantastic. Um, And you've, looking at your profile, Donna, not had a very traditional sort of HR um, pathway into a CPO role either. So, um, yeah, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about your sort of background and, and where you started and, and and what got you into HR and why. Sure. So way back in time, um, I was actually a ballet dancer. So I oh, started wow. off uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, doing full-time ballet and doing my HSC by correspondence and I envisioned a life of performance on the stage and went to Europe for a couple of years to Mm. follow that dream and, you know, realised that maybe I wasn't really cut out for a life in um, a ballet company and came back and decided to go to uni and I did a double degree and so I did economics with a HR major and a law degree. Mm. And so started off life really as a lawyer, an employment lawyer, but that opened up a lot of opportunities to mm. move into the HR space. So I moved into the fashion industry um, mm. at Q Fashion, another iconic Australian brand. And really it took off from there and moved through, you know, other companies such as James Hardy, mm. uh, got into the media industry, uh, started off at um, Fox Sports in the in the media industry, was there mm. for no, around about nine years, and that's where my my role sort of twisted and changed. So I had, you know, the employment law space, the human resources space, and also moved into running the operations for Fox. Mm. So um, the the role kind of broadened uh, quite significantly uh, during my time there. Fantastic. And then from Fox Sports, I moved into Foxtel, mm. and um, I spent about five years there, effectively looking after similar uh, areas that I'd had done at Fox Sports. And now I'm at AI Media. And I guess because this is a global role and it has a lot of um, 
focus on ensuring its success globally and our key success to um, grow ourselves globally is mm. in our people. So the role at the moment is focusing on people, although it's starting to change its spots to get into a little bit more operation and, and transformation as well as we as we look at technologies in our space. Fantastic. And we can get it into the um, the role as well and the business transformation side in a little bit. Um, if I was to kind of track back again to your journey into HR, how important or, or how much of an advantage would you say it was to um, upscale and, and train and, and have experience in more the legal side before moving into more of a, I guess, a generalist type, type of HR practitioner role? Look, that's a great question. Um, for me, it really opened up opportunities to broaden mm. beyond um, just HR, but definitely opened that door widely to get into the space to begin with. So having that little bit more mm-hmm. than just the straight HR degree, I think definitely helped because you could add more value pretty much straight away from the get-go. Mm. And so I would I would advise that. I've been a, a lifelong learner. I'm a little bit weird in, in that space. I've actually done five degrees. Uh, one of them wow. is... Got a science degree and, and and a human nutrition degree as well. So it's, it's I've got I'm a strange polymath as far as it goes uh, with <laughs> regards to education. Yeah. But you know it's surprising how much I've used from each of my qualifications in the space that I'm in now. So mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't think you'd use science in the HR space, but I I really do, and that's because I think the HR space now is really transitioning and keep shifting and changing its spots and so different to when I started off in, in my journey in HR where I would suggest that it had just started to move beyond being a really heavy administrative function mm. where you really were just focusing on processes and, you know, the conditions of how you, you know, employ someone and, and maybe dealing with the contract. It's really evolved so much from there. But definitely my education has opened up all of those um, opportunities, and I've benefited from that education and brought different lenses to the HR space. Awesome. Fantastic. And you touched on the transformation of HR there a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about some of the industries that you've been in because, you know, um, Foxtel and and Fox Sports and even currently nowadays iMedia, you know, lots of impacts and transformation when it comes to technology and media. Tell us a little bit about the transformation you've you've sort of experienced in in those industries. Yeah, so look, when I started off at um, in the fashion industry uh, mm. at at Q, and and it really was on those processes and you know filling uh, gaps in the in the resource resources that we needed. It was really focused on you know getting people in, mm. and heavy focus on recruitment, and and that's where it really was. It, it was you know the key focus of the job was just you know getting the staff up to levels that we could expand mm. the company. Um, and then I think, you know, from there when I started to to uh, move into James Hardy, I, I feel that that's when HR, the HR discipline really started to move towards more of a formal set of HR practices. Mm. So the focus here was, you know, getting you know, not just staff in the door but the right staff mix. Uh, I think there was more of a focus now on, uh, on staff training and how we were to implement, you know, upskilling and increase the value of the company by, you know, training and upskilling. Um, and then, you know, looking at, at evolved again where we had compensation coming into the into the discipline and, and making sure that we had the right compensation models for what the mm. business 
would benefit from, you know. And then and then I think it moved into, um, you know, how do we protect the business? Mm. What do we do to protect our secret source? And our secret source definitely is our people. So what do we do to protect it? And so I think um, as I've moved through my career, I've seen that shift and that definitely uh, came from, a, you know, getting the people in the door to expand mm. from the fashion industry, retail industry to, you know, more of a global company with James Hardy. How do we build capability, protect the value of the business? Mm. And then I think it, it started to, to shift again where we, we've started to look now um, at organisational design yeah. and, um, you know, that those kind of fundamental skills that are really our competitive advantage and how do we capitalise on those. So I, I think it is still moving forward. Mm. I think that that now the space that I'm in and, and, and probably Foxtel, it was beginning to really shift again. So more recently I would say that, you know, HR as a discipline, you could argue now, really stands up on its own two legs and mm. fundamentally links in with, with business strategy and, um, you know, having that seat at the table to talk strategically is really, I, I think, where we are starting to shift more and more into and it's having that that view that, you know, our customer is not just our employee. It's having mm. doing HR from, from the outside and there's a, there's a great um, uh, person who focuses on this in the US. His name is Dave Ulrich and he talks about mm. the future of HR and I, I, I really um, connect with his work and in my own experience that's, that's what I've been observing as well. It's now not only understanding and, and doing things for your, you know, employees but it's um, looking outside in. So, for example, mm. um, we want to implement uh, the best sales commissions um, but they're not good because they have metrics and KPIs, although, of course, they must have those metrics and KPIs, but they're good because the customer gains through the sales commissions that we implement mm. provide behaviours that satisfy, you know, those kind of customers. Uh, you know, another example would be, you know, uh, we want to be the employer of choice for our employees for sure, but not just for our employees. As a, an AXS-listed company, it's, you know, what would our investors see as, you know, the right behaviours that we're driving internally that would be an employer of choice that they would gravitate towards as well. Yeah, exactly right. And you touched on it there a little bit as well in terms of um, the customer and, and focusing on employees. I've even seen that shift where we've gone from lots of customer engagement, customer experience to, hey, why don't we put as much investment into our own people in terms of giving them the right tools and um, ensuring that they're engaged and developed, because that will have a flow-on effect with customers. In terms of the getting HR to the um, decision table, which I think a lot of HR practitioners can um, really, you know, clap themselves on the back because it's been a bit of a, a journey and uphill battle there. But we're there now um, in some regards. Um, Talk to me a little bit about how how do we stay there? Like how do how do we retain that seat at the table? Like what what should HR leaders be really looking to do in their current roles in their current businesses? Even outside that, you touched on um you know an external bit of content that you uh, tap into as well. Like what are your sort of um, advice around that, Donna? Yeah, look, that's a great question. And mm. in my career of of you know over twenty years now, um, I've seen that evolve where. Mm. You know, we are at the table now and it depends on how you approach that. So, for example, in my experience, I've seen when you talk about what the business needs, the strategy, the strategy mm. planning sessions is interesting because 
some of the people I've spoken to or, or I've actually witnessed, they don't actually know how to engage in that. So, for example, mm. we want to move into the Asian market. You know, you know, Donna, what do you what do you think we need to do? And you don't actually know what to say. So, I think yeah. part of that evolution is knowing what value you can actually bring. So, when I sit at the table now, I really like to understand the outside environment. So, the mm. you know the social environment that the company's working in, the technology that we're now working in our competitors and where their technology sits in comparison to ours, understanding the economic environment of the country that you might be working in if it's beyond Australia's borders, the political environment, you know. Also, I think another thing that HR haven't really capitalised on but is definitely something that you can add to that discussion piece is, you know, demographic trends, Mm. depending on what your customer um, looks like and, and the changes there. So I think... It's that outside in thinking and mm. being that external knowledge that is in all of our capabilities to go out and get and bring that to the conversation. I think once you've got an understanding, an in-depth understanding in those areas, you become much more valuable to the conversation. So when you talk about how do we build our capabilities, well, if you can tie it to the political environment, if you can tie it to, you know, innovation, how do we build innovation, if you can mm. tie it to what technology space we're working in and our competitive env- environment there, it really does add a lot of value and it keeps you at that table and you're bringing that strategic thinking, which is in need and mm. we've got the opportunity to grasp as HR professionals. Absolutely. Amazing advice. And I, I get that a lot in, in some of the more recent um senior HR appointments that I recruit, there's that need for commerciality, business acumen, that ability to actually understand the the revenue growth and ROI with the the practices that we implement. In terms of, um, again, we're going to leverage a lot of your experience and background here, Donna, with with some of our listeners, especially those that are more aspiring leaders, some of the businesses that you've worked in, including where you are right now is ASX listed, global, you know, how would you def- differentiate life as a HR leader in those types of businesses versus, uh, you know, a, a non-ASX listed or, or a more sort of local national business? Like, what would you say is the main differences or challenges that um, people out there should be aware of um, when, when sort of moving up the ranks? Look, personally, um, mm. this has been one of the toughest jobs that I've had to do Um only because of the countries we are operating in and where my team is. So having a global team is very different Mm. to managing a local team. So you've got to really look after yourself and your team because burnout is a a definite risk here. I'm I'm getting up and I've got to be ready to to go at 7 Mm. a.m. three times a week and start a meeting at 7 a.m. and be able to contribute at 7 a.m. And then to catch um, staff if there's something urgent that I'm sometimes up at 11.30 catching stuff on the other side of the world. So it is very different and Mm. you've got to really focus on looking after yourself and making sure that yourself and your team are, are, you know, making sure that they take care of themselves to operate in this environment. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the ASX component, um, there's a lot of compliance. So the focus is we're working for the shareholders. Mm. You know, that's the biggest difference. We've got to have a shareholder and a customer in our minds when we're making decisions. And how I like to think about it is that they're sitting at the table with us as we're making Mm. those decisions. Um, So I guess it's, you know, not our money anymore to 
to put in, you know, programs that we we feel are, are correct for the business. It's proving to the mm. board that this is the right thing to do for our shareholders. So I think that's the biggest difference. You need to be able to really stand by a uh, an idea or mm. um, and prove beyond probably a higher bar than you would normally have to in a non-listed company, why that is the right approach. Yeah, fantastic. That's great advice. So really, really back yourself, but also, you know, you need to bring the, I had someone on the the show recently talked a lot about data metrics and the importance of bringing that to the table. So it's certainly all linked. Um, It's actually a really good good pickup, actually. Um, one of the really important things that I think we need to do as a discipline as well, just going back to the earlier comment mm. and building on this one, is for HR to really prove themselves as a fundamental link to strategy and, and a must be involved in, in the, stra- the strategy of the business. One of the things that I've really brought to the discipline for myself is having data-driven information to inform mm. decisions so that also provides, um, you know, that proof to the board, for example, when you're proposing an idea to the board that you've got data to back that decision, which is the right thing for the company, the right thing for the shareholders, and you can prove it that way. So moving away from um, decisions that are just made without the data behind them, because what I've found out in my career is that anecdotal evidence is often wrong. Mm. So an example there, Shane, would be you might be wanting to have a global operating model. So it makes sense for someone to, to op in, an, in another country, do some work that might be, say, in Canada to Australia. And mm-hmm. you, look at, you look at your employee costs and it makes sense. They're, they're a, it's, a, it's a resource that doesn't cost as much as the Australian resource to do the same type of work. Mm. But then you've got to talk, then you need the data to prove that the effort needed to actually make that happen make sense. Because Mm. what you might end up with is, yes, that you could save some money, but if you put that energy effort that you would be doing in to create sort of that type of model into something else, like going out and getting further RFPs or focusing Mm. on supporting, you know, more salespeople joining the organisation to grow the company that way, well, that might inform you that your energy shouldn't be focused on that because you're you're kind of paddling in the the shallow end of the pool. Mm where if you have that data behind you, you can see, yeah, there is a couple of bucks there, but, geez, we'll get a big bang if we focus our energy over here. So I think data-driven information, data-driven modelling is mm. something we also need to bring to the table. And that's what's come from, a you know, my science background and yeah. um, kind of added that lens that I think has helped my career and certainly helped in the decision-making process when I'm putting something on the table. Fantastic. And I was going to say... Um, your background being quite unique, you would have brought a lot of strengths with the data as well. For someone that's probably not had the the, the academic background or or the more practical background that you have, where where you've needed to learn the data, um, Donna, is there anything that those individuals could be could be doing now or investing their time in now? Do you think you know there's 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 um, something that they could start to learn or study or, or implement or think about it for their own practice? Yeah, look, what, what's really helped me is learning to read um, a budget, mm. learning to understand, um, you know, the, a bit more of the finances behind the company to understand, you know, the inputs 
to the financial position of the company and, you know, understanding costs and why there's a focus on efficiency, you know, uh, you know, where does the innovation dollar start and end and how much is um, the company focused on other areas so that you can get a good snapshot and you can read that financial sheet again mm. to help you make those informed decisions. So I think that's very critical as well. You want to be able to understand that so that you can actually suggest the path rather than take instruction on what needs to be done which is going back to that old mm. older type administrative function that we're moving away from. So I think the more we can educate ourselves in the numbers, mm. um, the, the, the greater um, impact that we can have as individuals and as HR professionals within an organisation. Love that. Amazing. Now, I am mindful of your time. I have a couple of quick questions to rub through with you before we finish up. Uh, Donna, if that's okay. Um, the first one is most influential person. Wow. It would have to be my most recent. Well, actually, can I have two? You can. Yeah, you can. Because, um, my Fox Sports CEO, David Malone, for me, mm. it's personal. Um, he gave me, I was the first uh, person and a female at that Um given the opportunity to join the executive team. So I joined an all-male executive team and the function joined that um, that executive team way back in, what was it, 2008, I think it was, maybe mm. 2009. So um, that, was, that was my big break. And uh, you do need a supporter. You do need a supporter um, that can, you know, you, you get the opportunity to prove your value to. And whenever you get that opportunity to speak or present or what have you, grab it with both hands because I was provided that opportunity. And then after um, coming through quite well with that opportunity, I was invited to the executive team. So definitely amazing. David Malone and he was, you know, an amazing, an amazing CEO for Fox Sports. And then I guess the other person that I really have taken a lot of um life experience from and advice from is um, Ewan Smith. He's now the CEO mm. of Astro in Malaysia. Um, he was at Foxtel for around about two years. And, again, I think his focus on, you know, really understanding how people tick and how to get the best out of his people um, to create that bond of, of team um, was very, very inspiring and I've taken a lot of uh, what he's taught me into my next role. So definitely those two gentlemen awesome. were supporters of mine and, and inspirational. Fantastic. Best lesson learned? Uh, stick to your guns. Mm. Don't be influenced by other strong individuals if you know that your voice has a point to it. Yep. And that, that point can be... Uh, you can stand by that if you've got the data. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I say that all the time, maybe from more in my world of recruitment perspective to candidates, stick to your guns, stick to your guts, you know, listen, listen to your, listen to what your body said inside sometimes. Um, Cause that can often be the, the wiser choice. Um, who do you inspire? I hope it's my daughters mm -hmm. and my stepson. Um, one of the reasons that's pushed me um, regard with regards to continuing my education and, and kind of using it as a hobby is that um, I can see how it, um, it inspires my own children to mm. 
you know, to keep learning. So that lifelong learning that I've kind of in, inherited from my own mother's yeah. uh, trajectory, I think inspires my my children. And look, at the end of the day, that's probably who I'd like to inspire. And I hope yeah. I'm doing a good job in that in that in that front. Oh, I'm sure you do. And and uh, not that I think anything would, but what frustrates you, Donna? Wow. Um, a focus on the wrong questions. Mm. So in an HR perspective, we've got to make sure that we are not valuing activity mm. instead of value-added activity. So people that are asking the wrong questions focus on the wrong things. Mm. Um, sometimes nearly good enough is good enough. Mm. Right, so if um, the outcome is going to not be greatly affected by nearly good enough, get it done, move on. Yeah, amazing. Last question I have for you, and I don't know the answer to this actually. Um, now that we've got borders opening and planes flying, any dream holiday bucket list destination that you are keen to get to or are planning to get to? Look, I'm off to New York for work in September and I plan mm. to tack on a bit of a holiday. So that'll be be a lot of fun. But, geez, aren't we glad as an HR professional uh, team that the borders are opening up? That war yeah. for talent, wow, it's been tough. And Absolutely. we're just going to see that loosen a little bit. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. I love the US. And uh, if I don't speak to you before then, enjoy your trip. Um, but, look, thank you so much for, for jumping on today, Donna. Some great insight there. I love the discussions around the commerciality and the, the data and, and obviously your experience and some great businesses. So thank you so much once again. More than welcome. Thanks again, Shane, for having me. You're welcome. All the best. Thank you for tuning in to the HR Community Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe and share your views and comments below. This podcast was brought to you by Civitas Talent, the HR and HSC recruitment community. Whether you're a candidate looking for a new role or organization looking to secure brand new talent for your team, please get in touch with us today. Thank you.